Augmented reveals the stories behind a new era of industrial operations where technology will restore the agility of frontline workers. Augmented is a podcast for leaders hosted by futurist Trunarn Unheim, presented by Tulip.co, the manufacturing app platform, and associated with MFG Works, the manufacturing upskilling community launched at the World Economic Forum. Each episode dives deep into a contemporary topic of concern across the industry and airs at 9 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time every Wednesday. Augmented, the Industry 4.0 podcast. In episode two of the podcast, the topic is how to train augmented workers. Our guest is Elisa Roth, doctoral student at the Institute for Manufacturing at the University of Cambridge in the UK, a global shaper by the World Economic Forum. In this conversation, we talk about what industrial augmentation is and what Industry 4.0 is. We discuss the training challenge in industrial operations, formal training, apprenticeships, and on-the-job observation. I get her take on training needs. What are the exact Industry 4.0 skills we should be teaching? How to teach it and scale the teaching? Advice on how to learn and design learning journeys. And we discuss future developments. How are you today? Good. Thanks, Trond. Um, thanks for having me here today. Sure. I'm excited to be talking about manufacturing. Uh, Elisa, you have an interesting background. You're a doctoral student at uh, University of Cambridge at the Institute of Manufacturing, which must surely be a fascinating place to, to study and work. But one thing that fascinated me almost more than the stuff we're going to be talking about was that you learned to drive forklifts when you were 12. We have yes. to talk about this. <laughs> Absolutely. So I think my passion for manufacturing or just creating things reaches basically back to my, my grandpa, who had a, who was an organ builder and had a wonderful workshop for building wooden instruments. And on the other hand, we had a name for the farm and a small plumbing business. And because I initially started being super excited about the the, the animals on the farm but with that I started I'm um, supporting in my in my holidays working in the plumbing business so so I learned driving the the fork forklifter there and driving around, around hay or or metal parts and for me that was uh, very exciting but it then turned out for my first internships and in, in some manufacturing company that it's actually a quite useful skill to have. Wow, you are definitely breaking new ground, and I think that's super exciting. So you are also a global shaper of the World Economic Forum, and what we are talking about today, I think, is is really this important topic of of training the new kinds of in the new skills and and training the the new worker, the augmented worker. Tell me a little bit in terms of in terms of this topic, the the augmented worker, or even just all of these Industry 4.0 skills that are flying around there. What is what is this topic about? What what are the the things that matter in you know to you? For instance, let's let's just start with industrial sort of augmentation. What what does it what does that mean? So it's basically or augmentation is about augmenting natural human abilities, and this is actually not something new. So that has been around for ages, even some centuries ago. We we started inventing glasses to augment human vision. But what we are, so the stage we are now is basically that we have the chance to not only 
replace or supplement human abilities, but even exceed natural human abilities. And this this is not something scary, but I think this is just something how things are evolving with, for example, the first smartphone and all the new technology we have. So it's giving people access to, to new capabilities that they wouldn't usually do and When we talk about augmentation in the work context, it's basically helping humans to do their work better or have a yeah, have more opportunities to to do work better. If we talk augmentation, there are a couple of areas that we can augment, and this ranges really from the traditional way of um, augmenting senses or this this information collection side. But it also uh, can also be about augmenting an, an analytics skills or information processing skills. But beyond that, there we have also opportunities to augment knowledge management with those novel technologies, other things that are more sophisticated, like um, decision making support, all those new machine learning and AI capabilities offer by now. And then we also have some some more rearms of augmentation that reach further into the communication and collaboration side. So actually augmenting the interaction between humans themselves. And I think mm. this is quite exciting, the whole range that augmentations spans here. So you're right, it's a whole range. Um, but like you pointed out, some people are also scared. And if you are from the worker side of this uh, equation, right, there's a lot of fear about automation, perhaps more than augmentation. Although if people delve into augmentation, maybe that could become scary too. Can you tell us about the traditional ways that skills are taught in manufacturing and also some of your ideas on on maybe uh, the kinds of different teaching methods that we need to deploy now with these new challenges? Yeah, absolutely. The traditional way of, of teaching and manufacturing was actually you, you do a formal education and this is a three years apprenticeship or, or a little bit more or less, but generally a very formal and standardized format you go through. And beyond that, there's also university where you probably dive more into the, the engineering side. But still, this is a very rigid systems that provide you with skills that are expected to be useful for a couple of decades. And then there is the, the other side of learning and training that happens only on the job. So the non-formal side, which is basically learning from colleagues and uh, talking to colleagues, observing colleagues, digging through work instructions and paper manuals. So those are the, the two quite traditional forms how learning and development takes place in the manufacturing industry. What we see now is that we kind of reach the, the boundaries of that. So we see complexity is rising new customization increases. We have a lot more product variants that we used to have. And in addition to that, the, the workforce is aging. So all the experts we used to have are now retiring and the manufacturing industry is really struggling to attract new talent, especially in the, in the regions that they're usually concentrated. And this really raises the questions how we can can improve learning and find new approaches to that since we're really at the at the limit with a traditional 
approaches. And this is where augmentation really kicks in and has a huge potential in the sense of helping and supporting humans instead of replacing them. And yeah, so in the future, there's a lot of hope in using technologies really to to facilitate knowledge transfer, but also to have a shift from what we used to have just in case upskilling to a rather a more just in time or on demand upskilling when we use, for example, augmented reality training programs or virtual reality training simulations or even just well documented mobile mobile work instructions. Hmm. What do you think is the learning journey for a typical manufacturing worker let's just take a small and medium enterprise somewhere in europe and let's say they are starting to explore some of these more digital uh, factory skills or they're they're basically upgrading their their factories maybe getting some robots some automation some apps on the factory floor what is the approach one should take and you know if you want to be a little concrete what, what kinds of skills do you start with and then, yeah. you know, so what are the basic skills of this new landscape? And then what are the more advanced skills in this new landscape? I think one one thing that I really want to emphasize here is that we, if we talk about learning journeys, it's not only about the individual. So what we usually have to do before is really start with this lifelong learning culture. And this is really something that we can design amazing learning path, amazing content, but if this is not supported from the wider organization, this usually doesn't have legs. So the first thing in, in every company is really create space for more learning and embedding the notion of lifelong learning into the culture because it's really a new thinking to set put time aside during employees everyday life to learn new things because this is time that is still considered and that it's being taken away from productive operations time but this is the first thing before we talk about learning journeys that that needs to be just supported by companies but if that's the case and companies say okay we really want to identify opportunities to, to embed learning into the daily life. Then we can talk about specific skills. Those specific skills are starting, I think the, the most important thing is really this problem solving and critical thinking skill. Because whatever will happen, when the complexity rises, you're assigned to a new new workstation, you are assigned to a new product, you have to use new tools. And this is always this kind of analyzing the situation, identifying what resources you might need to fulfill your task, what information you need to fulfill your task. And this is usually or in the traditional way, what we consider as problem-solving skills and critical thinking skills. And I think all the jobs that won't be automated will ultimately be relying, relying quite heavily on this, using human cognitive skills more effectively. Well, it's fascinating to me that you start there because it's almost the opposite of what one might think, because it's easy to sort of assume that this industry upgrading has to do with technology and that your first suggestion would be to take a class in 3D printing or something. 
you know, or, or something random or, or even just computer science or AI or something very fascinating and, and, and fluffy. But you're suggesting something fairly basic, but also something very difficult, because I guess that's going to be my next question. How do you go about teaching these things? Because people are not, I guess, necessarily in school. You're talking about taking out of your everyday workday. And these are, in our example, they're workers that might just be on the shop floor. They they don't have an office. They don't have books. They traditionally perhaps don't even use a computer in their day-to-day work, or at least they use the computer differently because it might just be used as a checking manual for a work process. So this is a pretty radical leap for somebody who has not been like you and I in school all of our lives. How do you even begin fostering that in an organization? And as an individual, how do you start? Yeah, absolutely. So from an individual perspective, this is always about self-directed learning. So if you kind of see that you're you're afraid that your your job might be at risk, then it's really, okay, where can I look for for learning offers where I can upskill myself? And this ranges from doing online courses, but really asking asking within the companies what, what offers they might provide and really being proactive here. And usually the experience is if, if people want to learn and if they show willingness to learn, even most executives or production managers are at the stage where they really can't completely close themselves and say, oh, no, you're not getting this opportunity. So really be persistent if you want to learn and, yeah, then really try to find ways. And the other way from an organizational side is is the culture thing I mentioned. And I think this is also not something new. So we've seen that the whole lean philosophy basically builds on having empowered workers that take ownership of their process and I think this is something also that we need to keep in mind that there is no successful digitalization without lean. And we have learned a lot about process re-engineering and that we can shorten iteration loops and decision-making cycles if we give the operator more responsibilities and more decision-making power. And this is where the technology comes in that you can really maybe provide guidance for, for critical thinking and say, have you double-checked this? Is there anything that occurs unusual to you? And maybe using technology as a reflection support or yeah, just some guidance that you would re- usually get in, in classic uh, lean methods or, or lean workshops. This could be one approach, but I think in general, and this is something that needs to be fostered by the culture to really say, hey, um, we want you to have to think more about the work you do. And if we then also reward that. So really people that that take on this kind of proactive attitude and that take ownership of processes that they get, that they're recognized for that and also recognized for learning successes. It is the case that you have half an hour slack time and you take out you use your mobile phone or your work computer to to watch some YouTube tutorials or some some other online courses, really make sure as a manager or enterprise to reward this behavior changes because otherwise the momentum or the motivation can quickly 
dry off and this is not not the thing you want it's interesting for you it's a continuity between lean and and sort of i guess digital lean it's not a discontinuity you think that there there's a lot that we have learned about manufacturing throughout the last i don't know 20 years that we still have to keep it's not like we're throwing it all out with digitalization you know there are some new elements and ways of learning things and obviously something in the manufacturing process is is changing fairly radically but you think the experience with lean so presumably organizations that have already tried to implement lean are on the way to this new world yes i definitely think this is a highly yeah accelerating factor and this makes the whole digitalization and augmentation journey a lot easier can you give me some examples of where you go to learn about this give a, give me a sense of how your projects have evolved so you're at cambridge it's an institute for manufacturing i can imagine you have a lot of different industry collaborations how do some of those work and how have you picked up these these tips and how is your research evolving on this evolution of the manufacturing industry what our research team is doing that we look very closely always on both sides so the technology provider side and the technology user side by understanding both perspectives and really talking to people testing technologies it's a lot about testing experimenting what is possible and then really trying testing that in in real life environments so this is something something we do that probably can also be transferred quite easily to every other context you'd have to drive large scale experiments that are statistically statistically significant but just do pilots and document your learnings and this is definitely something that helps and then what we do is a lot of observations so of course that's quite difficult through through the pandemic but usually we visit companies we talk to the workers we talk to the employees and really try to to learn as much as possible from the people that actually use the technology which sounds very straightforward but unfortunately isn't always the case and in in research and and the same with technology providers talking to to all the people who are at the forefront of technology development then testing experimenting ourselves if we think we have a new way to to make things better you said it's not so it's so easy to learn is that because the people you interview don't really know what it is that they do well and not so well or is it just because it's hard to actually get to the core of of a situation when you get to a factory it's not so easy let's say you know that the factory is doing well it's not so easy to sort of glean why it's doing well or to really get under the under the hood is is that what you're talking about i think the the the, one, the point i was actually making is that we can't visit any factories at the moment due to the pandemic so we're just not able to to talk to them and really get those deep insights anymore during the last year but if we are there i think it it's usually it is possible if you talk to five or six people you really you realize usually quite quickly where the pain points are and where the things are that maybe are going well. Can you not do these interviews online or is it so remote and so different from the factory situation that you haven't been able to do a lot of your research online? 
It is difficult. So we can definitely do a lot of very, very productive and effective workshops with with managers and, and production. But we really see this kind of digital gap in our research that it's a lot harder for us to reach people who have not used digital technologies in their daily life. And this, if we reach them, this is, yeah, just a different atmosphere than just, yeah, just being with the people in their daily uh, in their daily life and really accepting and adapting to their environment. So that's definitely something where we as researchers are yet yeah, have to find alternatives to get the same depth of knowledge as we used to used to get. Elisa, can I ask you a little bit about how you yourself stay up to date on on what's happening? I would imagine, you know, Cambridge, that institute you work at, is a very fruitful environment with a lot of other researchers. And you said you obviously are in touch with industry to learn yourself, you know, in your actual research. What are some other places that people who may not be uh, full-time researchers in manufacturing, but they really want to track these trends? Perhaps they are part of, you know, environments like the World Economic Forum, or perhaps they just are from companies that realize we are managing a lot of people here and we are going to need to change. What are some of the best sources of information on the evolution of Industry 4.0, you know, from your perspective? So I think the the white papers and the reports from very interdisciplinary consortia as the World Economic Forum are a wonderful source to start at because those sources are usually collected from very dedicated people with very diverse backgrounds, and they really spend a lot of time on collating those resources. So yeah, this would be maybe the first first place to look at. Um, similarly, that, that accounts for technology or, or consulting companies who all also do a lot of quite nicely prepared and bite-sized resources to the most relevant topics. And I understand that this is super important because not everyone has the time to read like 20 pages long academic journals, which is uh, just not feasible. Other things, what I quite like is that a lot of the technology providers put a lot of efforts in providing amazing materials and resources, really ranging from from free, free webinars to presenting use cases of how one could potentially use the technology towards recommendations or white papers on how to get started with technologies. And I think this is a really valuable source to, to look at many different technology providers and use the, the material that they've already provided. And then there are then there are magazines so in the uk for example it's the manufacturer where they usually have quite quite timely and relevant articles not so sure about about the us but i'm sure that there are some some magazines that that, that come out that by now also address quite relevant topic and yeah, and if you're super keen, I still encourage people to read some academic journals, for example, Computers Industrial Engineering. It might be just nice to get a, a different different perspective on things. Maybe this is me, but I've been surprised 
at uh, how accessible actually a lot of academic work has become these days because there clearly are these deeper journals with a lot of methodology that's hard to understand but you can also just skip over that section quite quickly and there are, there are some other parts of those even fairly long papers and you can actually glean a lot of insight even from reading academic research from far far away from your own expertise I wanted to ask you, just as we are closing on future development, what's next here with the augmented worker? The topic itself is futuristic, but what are we likely to see? How uh, is this going to go? Is uh, the manufacturing industry historically has been n- maybe not the fastest moving of all, of all industries? And there is, as we have talked about, this skills gap. What is likely to happen in this industry over this kind of next decade? Is it going to move faster now or does it all depend on how much training is implemented? What are the blockers and and what are the enablers? Yeah, so really talking about future developments, I think that there will be also induced by the pandemic a huge shift in providing access to digital technologies to really like almost every frontline working looking forward into the next decade. So even if it's just very, very simple mobile phones or some some smartwatches or wristbands for, for safety things, I think this is something that is really here to stay. So, yeah, basic communication and collaboration features and some process tracking things and reporting things will really, I think this is something that is really on a quite, yeah, successful journey already and and here to stay regarding high level things like augmented reality and virtual reality as you mentioned that those usually usually take some more time to be implemented and challenges here are definitely costs but also authoring or development efforts that are still quite high to actually produce your own procedures and training programs so this is definitely something that is holding back the technology on that front but enabler of course is the need for training and this will also um, accelerate the adoption of augmented reality and virtual reality and i think just general trends which are already tackled by the research and then hopefully finding their way in in the manufacturing reality are things like personalized work instructions, procedures, and and also training content. So the notion of acknowledging that people are different and adapting the content of technologies to different skill levels. I think this is something really exciting to watch in the future when those technologies adopt more and more to the individual. Yeah, and hopefully looking, being very futuristic, the outlook of having smart assistants. So technology that you that you can ask for providing on-demand knowledge. So the theory for manufacturing, but there we really still have a quite a long way to go. Well, that's exciting because uh, that means we can talk more. I, I look forward to staying up to date on what you're doing. Thank you so much for being on Augmented today. Thanks, Trond. Have a great day. You have just listened to episode two of the Augmented podcast with host Trondarne Unheim. The topic was how to train augmented workers. And our guest was Elisa Roth, doctoral student at the Institute for Manufacturing at the University of Cambridge in the UK a global shaper by the World Economic Forum. 
In this conversation, we talked about what industrial augmentation is and what Industry 4.0 is. We discussed the training challenge in industrial operations, whether it's formal training, apprenticeships, or on-the-job observation. I get her take on training needs and what exactly the Industry 4.0 skills are that we should be teaching. We also discuss future developments. My takeaway is that training augmented workers will have to happen in a much more streamlined way than previous training efforts. As Elisa Roth points out, first off, the organization needs to be on board with its workers integrating training into the workday. There is a lot of training available, but it might be of various quality. It might be hard to find exactly when you need it, and it may be hard to verify and get credit for informal training. In short, it's going to require trust as well. Thanks for listening. If you liked the show, subscribe at augmentedpodcast.co or in your preferred podcast player and rate us with five stars. If you liked this episode, you might also like episode three on reimagined training. Augmented, the Industry 4.0 podcast.